0: Welcome to the Soul Hubbers podcast with myself, Carrie Davis-Monroe. And this morning, I am absolutely delighted to have the privilege of interviewing or just speaking to, we're just going to have a conversation with Lynn Ray of Soul Hub. So welcome, Lynn. It's fantastic to have you here this morning.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Because, um, yeah, it's always a challenge to do these things and I, I want to do them and I'm really glad to be here. I'm I'm yeah, I think it's amazing and I've I've listened to other ones that you've done and, and I really like the way you do them. So oh,
0: thank you for saying that. I mean, I'm gonna tell people that we have just had a conversation as we always do before we do these things. Um and it was really interesting because cause Lynn is so um self-effacing. And, um, you know, she sort of listened to some of the other podcasts and said, okay, I, I don't know if my story or what I have to say is important. And I'm going to say before we even start, you're, you're actually going to be quite astounded by Lynn's story. Um, it's powerful. Um, and we're going to wind our way through. And I'm going to start with um, I'm going to start with asking because we're all part of this lovely entity that is Soul Hub. How did you meet Carmen and how did that come about?
1: um I was I was working with um a, a PR friend and um she had met she knew Carmen and she was introducing me to various people and so I met Carmen in in a, a cafe down the road and we we started having a conversation and I, I I think you know we we could have we could have chatted for hours and hours it was just one of those you know mm. some forever we had so much in common and um and so I offered her a treatment um, because it's quite difficult to explain what it is that I do without mm. experiencing it. So she came and had a treatment and um yeah, and then she invited me to be a part of Soul Hub. And I I was just saying to you mm. that I've always for me, Soul Hub is is like the most wonderful, caring, um wise healing community and and I absolutely adore being a part of it um I'm not always sure what what I give to it because I'm um I'm quite quiet on there but Mm -hmm. but it it makes me feel proud and yeah part of the community that's that's really important
0: um mm. and it's interesting because when you say quiet on there i'm just going to tell listeners that the main way that we as a group of healers practitioners therapists coaches the main way that we connect with each other is by a very live WhatsApp group, isn't it? So we have a lot of members and you're right. Some are more vocal, some are you know, more at the forefront. And obviously Carmen and Andrew are posting a lot. And it's interesting that that's your perception because I certainly see you as one of the founding you know, people within that group of one of the founding members. And it's interesting because I definitely see that you are responsive. And, you know, your name is definitely at the forefront for me. So it's funny about our own perceptions for a start. But it as I said, I you know. are very self-effacing in that way, aren't you?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I. think I am. Yes.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're going to, you know, deep, deep down explore who you are and why you do what you do so i you know having said it's difficult to explain what you do why don't we start with because i know you haven't always done this and this is the thing about most of us within soul hub we didn't you know we didn't go through our teens and decide right this is what i want to be in life life sort of happened to us and almost without exception we all now proactively decided that we wanted to do or be something different. So Lynn, will you tell me, you know, where did, where did, where did this start? Cause it didn't start with what you do now.
1: Well, uh, f- funnily enough, it, um, when I was at school, we had, it was a modern school and we didn't have a very good um, careers, um, opportunity, uh, you know, knowledge, uh, teaching mm. section. So I, I just, dis- I, Omdenard through a few different careers and I ended up choosing beauty therapy, hairdressing and beauty therapy um, because I think I've always been interested in how the body and the face work Um, so I studied that for three years Um, whilst I was on the course I realized this isn't really for me it was very female orientated but I've always absorbed what I you know what I learned from from there and I was a beauty therapist for about a year and a half and then My ex-husband was in advertising, and he went on a job, and he met a makeup artist, professional makeup artist, and said, "Oh, I think you'd be great at this." So, so that's what I did. I did, I I did as I was told, you know. And when I look back now, Mm. wow, it took a lot of belief and courage to just suddenly, Mm. um, you know, go to photographers and say, "Oh, I'm I'm just starting out. You know, can you give me some work to do?" and um I you know I I did really well I I wouldn't say I was the best makeup artist out there I think I got my work because I was a nice person and I I did my job okay and I think I was nice to have around and I made people feel comfortable Mm. uh, which you know I learned that many years down the line that one of um the reasons um the people employed me was because to take care of their artists or whatever I worked in the music Mm. industry a lot and so I was doing that and I really enjoyed it and I did a lot of traveling and um but then I had my kids and and it's quite a difficult job to do when you've got young kids Mm. Mm. and as the kids were um at school I really found it frustrating to be on set for a long day and you know up really early not see them then not be there to pick them up from school so I thought Mm. what can I train in Um, and I wanted it to be to do with health and fitness. So I decided to train to do sports massage. And whilst I
0: can, I just ask you a question, why health and fitness? It's interesting, Uh, isn't it? We have children and it changes our, our very values our core. So why health and fitness?
1: Well, I think because I'd started going to the gym and it would, it was always very important to me to like eat healthily, feed the kids healthily. I mean I I grew up on a Yorkshire diet you know uh, puddings every day so so I was determined not to bring my kids up like that so yeah. um they ate very healthily and I I guess going to the gym I thought well if if I train in this industry do something in this industry mm. it's it's, it's going to inspire me to to carry on being more healthy rather mm. than take me away from it and have to fit that into my life because when you've you know you've got kids you you have less
0: time oh my goodness yeah so yeah. it felt like alignment for you it felt yeah. you know this yeah. is the way that I support my own structure and scaffolding and healthy habits if I then do a job that's aligned with that
1: yeah and 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 it was a combination of learning and you know giving people so I've, I've always it's always I've always enjoyed um therapy you know mm. um making people feel better. So whilst I was doing the training, I I learned to do Pilates, I did a Pilates course as well. And I, I never thought I would teach Pilates. It was more for the remedial aspect of when people have an injury, you know, you're, you're, so I was never just a massage therapist where someone comes and you just totally relax them. And it was always kind of problem solving, you know, they might have an injury or bad postural problems or whatever. So Pilates was a way of helping them improve themselves and and so that preventative rather than um, and then I was doing that alongside being a mom and then I ended up splitting up from my husband and in hindsight it was good that I'd already completed my training but it wasn't an easy way to earn a living as a single mom but definitely
0: um, can can I ask you so obviously you know it's it's, it's interesting um Carmen Andrew um and I and Nancy I think have all you know we all finished or left or were left in relationships and we know that that is a pivotal point for change um and almost without exception whatever our role was whether we were the proactive member in those relationships we're all left a little bit broken and we need some mending don't we
1: oh gosh yeah Um,
0: and I know you've done huge mending in many ways in your life but in what way what you know how did you find your way out of that space
1: um well it it was quite um it was a shock when because he left me for he fell in love with someone else and it was at the time when my mum was sick and then she died and um so I kind of lost everything all at once you know mm. I lost my mom, I lost my husband who I'd been with since I was 18 mm. uh, and and it's not only the, the present that you lose it's the future and for yeah. me that that was the hardest I think so it was like all all my whole life that I'd known yeah would have gone um so fear
0: so- massive fear massive loss i guess you know questioning as we all do as i said in whatever role your your sense of self your self-esteem self-esteem and on top of that you were thinking actually i've got to work as well i've I've got to find a way what, what
1: i did was what what i always do i focused on the others you know so i focused on my kids um making sure they were okay and i put all my energy into being a mom um and so I didn't it was it was far too complicated to grieve. So I locked it all away. Mm. Um and yeah, I, I think that was um not not well not really great for my health. And I actually got um a thyroid cancer um after we about a year after we split up. Um mm. and I, you know, I always had a problem speaking my truth. Mm. I, I would actually honestly say I was a doormat mm. in, in our, in our life. Um, not, not that he deliberately trampled on me. I think I just tried to please everyone, tried to be someone I wasn't mm. um, and didn't had no idea who I was. Um, mm. And it's taken me years to kind of grow into me. And it's funny because I was, I was 60 this year and I was on a mountain and mountains have always been particularly important and special to me. And I I just thought, I was thinking, wow, uh, I'm really looking forward to my 60s because my 50s have been really tough mm. um, because it's been about um, health, you know, staying alive, really. Yes. Yeah. And then I thought, yeah. well, actually, my 40s were quite tough as well because that was about parents dying, mm. splitting up from husband, mm various health issues and so I I thought wow now I really need to remember how to live and I, I actually on that mountain I really felt alive you know and I thought this is this is life um yeah so so my focus now from now on is enjoying yeah. Yep.
0: Nice. So there's so much I want to unpack from, from what you've just said there, because you've touched on something that, um you know, I really want to talk about, but it's really interesting, isn't it? That, um you know, and I guess I feel this about soul hub in that, what in that group. And I say this to clients, you know, there's so much suffering. We're all suffering from something. We're all dealing with something. And I think that lots of us have come to our place as as people that support others, having been through no end of personal suffering. Yeah. And I think that is what gives us our humanity. Um, It definitely gives us our vulnerability as a group. And that's what gives us our connection and enables us to help others um and moving I guess what you had through you you knew you'd become stuck so you know knowing that you were stuck and as you said you know still again today saying I'm not you know not sure what have I got to talk about really understanding that you've got that voice that causes us damage doesn't it Lynn when we hold on to um resentment when we hold on to hurt when we don't move the emotions through us so tell us you know you've said you're a survivor you are you're learning to live again tell us a bit about what happened to you from that point um well I had the I
1: had the thyroid cancer and that that went um I had half my thyroid out then I um in 2008 the end of 2008 I was diagnosed with breast cancer and bizarrely because my mom died of breast cancer I'd always I was convinced I was going to get it I was the big mm. sister it was my role and so I really wasn't surprised when I was told um it came became real when the doctor said you know you need to have a mastectomy mm. and that's when I did cry. Um, But pretty soon after that, I I put it all away again, because it was the 23rd of December. And I didn't want to tell people because it was Christmas. So it felt a really awkward thing to to have. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you realize when you're seriously ill, that it's not just you, it affects, it has a widespread Mm -hmm. effect, you know, my kids, my dad, my Mm -hmm. sister, you know they'd lost my mom. I didn't want them thinking that I was next. And so mm-hmm. throughout being ill, I think again, I put my focus and attention onto everyone else, being brave, being strong, being um cheerful, because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if, if I'm miserable and fall apart, um, a how will the kids cope? And mm-hmm. um you know, what what if no one visits me because I'm, I'm miserable. So mm. so, yeah, so I spent a whole year having treatments, you know, I had chemotherapy, surgery, radiotherapy, more surgery, drugs. Um, I was kind of a mess, really, but I was lost in that world. You kind of become a bit like a robot. Mm. Then I came out uh, out of that, and I started going to the haven, which is a really beautiful healing holistic place um and and you learn where is
0: that lynn where is well, that people listening anymore oh, okay. it, is,
1: it was in fulham it was it was the most beautiful place um and it was just a hate was a haven it was amazing and you all get a certain amount of treatments and you you know you you they, they have all this knowledge they work alongside doctors um mm-hmm. but you know I I went I had nutritional therapy I had um mind body therapy I had acupuncture um I did tapping I I mm-hmm. so many things I did and then I was so lucky I'd just come to the end of my session of treatments and then they called me and said would I like to be part of a study group so I spent the next year having lots of their best treatments. That wow. they, oh, I was so lucky that I felt that um, that they felt were the best treatments to help people live beyond cancer. So I experienced things that I would never have experienced if I hadn't had cancer. You know, so yeah. so I I was able to feel blessed and grateful and and look for the lessons and i i kind of knew you know i was i was a i was a a giver a pleaser put everyone else before myself Mm. i was prolonged under prolonged stress after my divorce and then something else happened that gave me a big shock and i absolutely felt the moment when it was a turning point and are you able to tell us what that what that might be uh, it, it was a betrayal.
0: Right. It was a
1: betrayal of of the head, not the heart, and mm. um, it hit me really deeply. And that was like a turning point for um, yeah. So it was it was mm. time after that that the the cancer came. And so I when I, when I was fifty in two thousand twelve, I had a party. Mm. It was like right. a celebration. It was three years since my first diagnosis, more or less. And I was celebrating being alive. And then by the following um, um, April, March, I I went on holiday with someone and we went to Morocco and I was in the mountains and I was struggling to climb the mountains. I, I was really breathless. And I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm not fit. Um, anyway so when I came back I went to the doctors and asked them for a scan and they said you know that we see something in your chest or in your lungs we're not sure Um, and we've had a big meeting and we've decided that we're going to put a video camera in inside your chest that they put the deflate the lung put a video camera in and it's it's some major surgery I think and while I was, before I went on that, I thought I'm going to go on a yoga holiday. So I went on a, a yoga holiday and had the most beautiful week. And I met this um, journalist who actually was the turning point of my career. And also she introduced me to my holistic doctor who I still see today. And and I would say he is he is a physical person who has been definitely... Mm saved my life um and then anna murphy who was writing she was editing the Stella magazine for the telegraph um came for a treatment and um it was my intraoral jaw treatment for jaw tension mm. and and she came and had one and decided to put it in her magazine mm. and so i then had this space of because this was after my so so after my surgery they found seven sites of tumor in my body um but not in my lung it was in the chest wall so um i was i was put on more drugs and i had a chest drain
0: So uh, can i just ask you Lynn despite at this point you said you found this wonderful holistic doctor yeah you are i guess cuz we all have fear and obviously cancer is the biggest fear for so many people you know some of my clients have it and you know, it's that biggest fear, isn't it? So at this point, I guess, were you sort of caught between the the allopathic world of, you know, there's a fear, isn't it? If I leave that behind yeah. and take the jump to go completely holistic alternative, where were you at at that point? Well, I, I can't remember
1: when, um, when, if, when I, if I saw him after my surgery or before my surgery. Right, okay. I can't remember. Yeah um because um what happened in the surgery was i i woke up and i had two two drains coming out of me one of them stayed there for 9 days while i was in hospital recovering and the other one i went home with and i had no idea that that was going to happen so I, I had this chest drain for 9 months um, <gasps> 9 months did you just say yeah and i had wow. to i had to empty fluid off my chest For nine months and and during that so when I met Raj my my holistic guy I I went to see him and it was like being sat in the room in the presence of guru um, a a master because it was like all the all the books you've read all the things that have really meant something to you Mm. that have touched a part of you he was that person all rolled into one and and I felt totally in
0: awe and totally safe, you know. So he embodied he embodied what you'd been looking for in terms of your health and well-being healing yeah. journey. Yeah.
1: yeah and and you know is a homeopath but is much deeper than that is a scientist and so I I've taken whatever he's asked me to do, changed my diet, um and yeah so he kept me on track and then i i used visualization during this nine months when i had the tube and so every day i would there's a guy called david hamilton who had written a book called how the mind heals the body and whilst i um i used to meditate and visualize the the cancer the tumors melting and I worked on them because the one of them was quite large. It was like the size of an egg. And I'd seen a photograph of it, which was pretty gross. But it's yeah, quite yeah. good to have that visual when when I, I was, you know, and I visualized it melting. And the tube was actually a savior because it was taking the bad cells out of my body. And then one day I, I thought, I don't feel that one anymore. I'm ready. So I moved on to the next one. And then I started clearing the body. And then it went away.
0: How do you know it went away? Did you have another x-ray or did you Yeah, just... well, I
1: was having, I had to have scans or yeah. x-rays every three weeks when I went to see the consultant. And they would, I had to, every time I emptied the tube, I had to measure the amount of fluid wow. that off. And... Um, and were uh, you having chemo at this point, Lynn? I mean, uh, what was,
0: so what was uh, causing would, the fluid to come off? Uh,
1: the fluid was, that was... Produce because the body is trying to heal the tumors wow okay yeah, so, so someone said to me um because I had some more sessions at the haven and someone said to me okay maybe you should make friends with the cancer and sit to, imagine it sat on a chair next to you and ask the cancer what it wants
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so and make friends with the tube because the tube is is trying to make you know it's making you healthy yeah yeah and and I used to have loads of conversations with my body and with the cancer and we we kind of did become friends and and then when it I only asked it to go to sleep because I listened to the doctors all telling me I was incurable
0: Mm.
1: and and can I
0: just say when when you know that there's not going to be Loads of us who the doctors have said that to when they give you those words, Lynn. What does how did you take that? What did that feel like? That might seem a silly question, but yeah, well,
1: well, I mean, it is quite dramatic when they tell you because I I was allocated a palliative care nurse. Wow. Um, I think I had, I think it was my son, I know my daughter was there when I was waking up out in hospital mm. I can't remember they both had to hear these things anyway, which was really hard and I think the doctor said um well you know we'll we'll maybe get you get you as many years of good quality life as we can mm-hmm.
0: um
1: and and that's what it was about and so I thought for me it was quality of life and mm. I struggled with the drugs they gave me um, but I thought okay I'm gonna do it both ways I'll do the healthy and I'll do everything I can and mm. and it was about being healthy so I totally changed my diet and and I really worked on the mind because I I knew I'd, I'd heard I've been on this workshop well there were two workshops that had a big impact on me at that mm. at, at that time one was I can't remember the name of the guy who was a health coach. And he said that only 3% of illness was caused by genetics, like 10 to 12 was diet and lifestyle and the rest was stress. So I thought, okay, well, that's 97% that is in my control. Yes. So yeah. that was a such a powerful thing to know and mm. believe that that's what I was working on. And then I read this book written by Anita Mujani called Dying to Be Me. And I went to see her do a workshop as well. And, you know, listening to someone tell you how they had cancer so badly that their their tumors were popping out of their body. She was drowning in her own fluid. She was mm-hmm. at death's door. Mm. Um and she actually saw the light, um, saw what it was like on the other side and came, came back and her what happened to her has been documented because it was in Singapore I think so it was very medicalized um and, so and when
0: she, she says can I ask can I ask you there because you know we're all sort of used to lots of terminology you talked earlier about you know your mum having cancer and you knew that almost you were attracting that lots of people still listen to that and think oh, Woo-woo. What do you mean I've seen the light? What do you mean you attracted it? What do you mean, you know, you visualized? So when you say that she sort of saw the light, what does that mean? And how did that resonate with you? Well, she said that, um, because she she
1: based her life on fear, fear yeah. and disappointing people. So she saw her father and her best friend. She visual well, she's, you know, they came to her, whatever. And she said, all she felt was unconditional love mm. and mm. and and that's all that counts. And she could hear simultaneous things happening, like her brother coming over from another country. She could hear doctors talking about her. Um, she could hear all these things going on and And she was lying there in a hospital bed, supposedly dying. And she has been very healthy for many years now, and she goes mm. around the world talking and, and teaching people. And to hear someone say that that had happened to them, I thought, well, if that can happen to her, why not me?
0: Um, so she was she was inspirational from that yeah, point, yeah. Yeah, yeah? So was there a point then that you decided, okay, well, that's not serving me anymore and, you know, this, this is the route I'm going to take? Was there a defining point that you yeah. can think of?
1: Well, I... I think i I what well, the day I got rid of the tube i was I was really happy, obviously, mm. and I thought I've got my life back, and I'm gonna really live my life, but I was living with a lot of fear, and i I did take I think I took Tamoxifen mm. um because you know, I, I still had a lot of hormones in my body. I mean, I've had, I've had so many different menopauses over the years.
0: Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a whole podcast in itself. Because... I,
1: know, I know. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, I, um, yeah, I, someone wrote, I read an article and someone had written that having had cancer mm. is like having someone's got a gun pointed at your head. And it's there all the time, and sometimes you forget about it, but it's always there, and you never know when someone's going to pull the trigger. And so I was living in that fear, mm. and plus, um, I was trying really hard to to be normal. I think I was trying too hard to be normal and mm. forget. You know, I was ch- I was being challenged because I was scared, but yet I was trying to be normal. Yeah. and embrace it and about- well you said you
0: you had to be normal you know you've got children you had people yeah. around you and you know predominantly I coach women and that that tends to be what we do we hold yeah. it in we toughen up we put a good face on it you know and we make sure that everybody still knows that we're okay you know we're, we're the one holding it all together so yeah. you know I guess that took its toll on you
1: yeah, well, four years ago, it came back again. And I, and again, I knew mm. um, because a year before it came back, I went to Chamonix with my son mm. and we climbed a mountain. And I, while I was there, I, I saw I, it was really challenging. You know, from the first part of the hill, my leg muscles were really hurting. And um, we, I was watching all these really fit French and Swiss people mm skipping around like goats and I decided I was going to be a mountain goat so that when I went back the following year um, I'd I'd be much fitter and so I came home and I started doing kettlebell training and I was always doing pilates and yoga um, and um, about I think it was towards the end of the year um, I started to struggle I live up a hill it's a short one but it's quite steep and I could feel a struggle going up the hill again and I, I kind of ignored it for a little while but I was having routine scans anyway and they said okay your fluid's building up again mm. so I was like okay well I'm going to deal I'm going to deal with this myself so I you know went back on the really healthy diet I was doing all the good things. Um So how did you come off the, the diet that's interesting well, for to hear. I, I guess cheated a, you know I, I would cheat like when I was on really strict diet it was no dairy no sugar no alcohol yeah no no meat no fish no eggs uh, no cheese yeah. and so i i cheated and and i was i was seeing someone and we ate a lot of fish yeah and yeah. i drank alcohol and yeah but i i think it was less well obviously that has an effect on your body but i think what's going on in your mind has a bigger effect um and so anyway, it, it the fluid was building up and I was having problems breathing, but I refused to have the, the drain put back in because I thought if that goes back in, it might never come out. And so I resisted and resisted and the breathing was getting really, really tough. And um, it was a strange kind of not being able to breathe because I got quite good at breathing in because I was using the other lung, but mm-hmm because it was affecting cuz there was fluid in the in the cavity mm-hmm. the diaphragm wasn't working properly so breathing out was actually harder than breathing in and i if i got myself breathless you know normally when you get breathless you stop and you take a few deep breaths yes. and yeah. come back it it didn't happen like that so it was there was a real claustrophobic feeling when when i got breathless so i started just doing things slowly to try and avoid getting breathless uh, like you know at the tube if i couldn't get a lift i would it would take me about four or five stops to get to the top of the stairs and things like that and i was still working mm-hmm. and i was trying to because my my voice changed i somehow lost my volume control on my voice mm. but i was continuing to do everything as normally as possible and then in the end um the the i went to the hospital and um i think i'd already decided maybe i should have the the tube put in because i i just could hardly do anything and um the the doctors said well you've um your fluid now is moving over to the other side and it's putting pressure on the heart so mm-hmm. you, you know there's no choice you have to it's an emergency now so i went to the chest doctor and I said I've decided I'll have the tube put back in and then he said well I need to do a scan first make sure that you know I can still do it mm. and and it was quite a tricky um thing because when you release the pressure off the heart it it can it can squash you know yeah. flatten
0: yeah yeah and
1: I, I I wasn't made aware of this and I sent my daughter off to go get some lunch and, mm. and so I was there and, and when she came back that's when we found out that it could have gone the other way um and because I wasn't able to have any um sedation I you know I was totally my you know my ears were all yeah. over the place yeah, and I, yeah. Know, I heard him say if oh, we got the crash trolley outside and
0: oh, my, they, goodness. They, they put oh my, my goodness they put
1: my tube in and they took out over four liters of fluid wow I know so no wonder, wow. no wonder I was struggling to breathe. And so oh, I, my
0: felt, goodness. I felt
1: so light when it came out. And a couple of days once the pain had gone, um, I was like skipping around and I felt so blessed and grateful to have life. Yeah. Except I now had to work on getting rid of the tube again. Yeah. So I was you know again taking the fluid mm. off and measuring it and so although I felt amazing I still had this thing attached to me mm. and so um I this time I used Joe dispenser Dr Joe dispenser. Yes
0: so so I was going to say with all of the stuff that we talk about with intention yeah. Um, and for people who don't know about um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, you know, look him up. He, he talks a lot about attracting the life you want. And the history of Joe Dispenza is he he, he, he broke his back, didn't he, in an accident. He healed it. He healed it yeah. with his heart. And he healed it. He was told that he would have to have all sorts of treatment in the hospital and he decided, I don't want that. And he went and he healed it with his mind and that's what he's known for. So he supports people who want to heal themselves with the power of intention, the power of attraction, the power of their mind. Um, And I should say again, people often look at us and I'm sure they look at soul hub and look at the word soul and maybe think, Oh, you know, what's the reality of that? Well, everything we do, I guess is based in science. You know, this is, we're talking physics, aren't we? So Um, I I
1: love him is he's an absolute because I you know, I love science. Yes, he is an absolute scientist. And now he, you know, a lot of the money he earns, he puts back into research and he has, he has brain scans and heart scans, and all this going on when he's doing his massive workshops. And I haven't done the week one, but I did a weekend with him in Edinburgh. Um, and I actually booked it before I had the tube put in and I would never, if I hadn't had the tube put in, I would never have been able to make the journey. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. And I, I did a weekend and when you do the weekend, you know, you have all these videos to watch and it was intense. I did his meditations every day yeah, and, and eventually, and, and funnily enough, because the first time when they took my tube out, I, the, the fluid hadn't all gone. And this time it did go. But the beautiful thing mm. about the the Jodie Spencer thing was that my vision was, um, and I've written the whole story in the Soul Hub journal, and mm. I'm so grateful that I wrote that story because it means that the detail is still there because you lose yeah. the detail. And Felix, my son, had sent me a photo um oh cuz there was a um an aborted attempt when i went to climb a mountain with him and i couldn't even climb a hill i was mm. so breathless mm. so a year later um i i i visualized a picture of where he'd been this mountain lodge mm. in zermatt and a beautiful lake and view of the matterhorn and this was my visualization that i vis- and i visualized it so real that i could I could feel the air. I could, you know, feel the chill on the Temperature, yeah. Everything. I
0: visualized
1: how I would feel when I got there. And Mm. it happened. And it was the most amazing experience. I did it with my two kids. And it was the most beautiful experience ever. And it was so magical that we did it together. And it was hugely emotional. Even now when I think about it, you know, I get emotional. And Mm. I actually felt... Like there was a point on the mountain where I could see the the lodge where we were going to stay. And I, I felt like I was really stepping into my future mm-hmm. and I, I felt like I actually stepped out of my body that had cancer and left it on the mountain and stepped and walked away and, and said goodbye. And so that by the time I was, you know, walking up the last little hill to With someone get, different
0: to get you my ass
1: yeah, and I still had the tube, and it took a while for the fluid to go, but I knew it was going to go that time, and, and it went totally empty, you mm. know, and, and that was um, three years ago now, oh, or wow. two, two years ago, or three years ago. I think it's three. It's it's funny because you you kind of lose track of time. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's I mean, I don't know about other people listening and we'll we'll ask people to leave their comments on this. But, you know, while you're talking there, my whole body is just shivering. You know, that gives me shivers up and down my spine. And, you know, when you talked about having the chance to write these things down, I think it's really important. My partner um, had cancer and he often will talk through some of the really frightening points, you know, and, and says, it's really good for me to remember that I don't want to forget that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to forget it because, you know, I guess the point is I don't want to go back there and feel how I feel, but I want to use it Yeah. so that I don't get there again. Exactly. Um um, and just to remember how my body felt then and what that feels like and what being well feels like. So, yeah. Lynn, I want to ask you, I mean, I we could talk I could talk for ages about this, and I, you know, we we mentioned, didn't we, that there are lots of celebrities really who've who've had very empowering, um, very well-known stories about cancer survival or, you know, not surviving cancer, but getting it out there and raising money. And you were saying you feel a little bit difficult about, you know, your story is very different, isn't it? In the way that you dealt with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I, I never want to, I mean, I have, you know, I have tried I've the, I've been through the national health system, you know, I've had mm-hmm. surgery, I've had chemotherapy, I had radiotherapy, I took their drugs for years and basically it kept coming back and, I came off the drugs a few times over the years because of the effects they were having. But the final time when I stopped taking the drugs, it was a total different thought process. And I thought, okay, I've done it your way for 11 years.
0: 11 years. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, 2008, I was diagnosed Mm -hmm. and I thought it hasn't worked. You know, I, I, it still keeps coming back. And if I carry on, I'm not going to survive. So, if I want the life I want, and and being able to not breathe, actually, made me. You know, I I faced my mortality many times during that difficult time, and I thought there were some days I thought it's too much effort. I don't I don't want to get up, you know, um, and get on with my day. And for me the only way I want to be alive is to be healthy. And so um but I in in um in, in being that way so so I had to choose my life and mm. put everything into it, you know, and leave that behind. And so I guess when I when I talk about my story, I don't I don't want to um put a dampener or a cloud or anything on anyone else's fight because everyone's fight is individual or mm. journey is individual. And yeah. um, you, you can, you can only do what's right for you. And I guess I've been given different chances to evolve and do it better each time. Mm. You know, and- and I guess
0: the difference is Lynn, that you just, you made a decision, didn't you? That I'm, you know, I'm having all of that, but that sort of felt quite reactive you're in the hands of other people and I guess for you and this is what you do now you know your proactive stress management you decided that there was also things and there were also things that felt and gave you a certain amount of control and when we take control we feel better don't we
1: absolutely yeah I think I think that's the only thing we can do is Mm. is to um yeah, so so I were I work with people who've got stress and it's a responsibility that we have mm. to, you know, we can't change what's happening around us, yeah, particularly, although we can remove ourselves from it, but we can do many things to affect how we are reacting to it and responding yeah. to it. And yeah. um being able to do that, have those tools is empowering. And, you know, I, I, I work with jaw tension and teeth grinding and, you know, that has a lot to do with posture and, um, how there's a lot of, um, physical things you can do to improve it. Yeah. A lot of other things like meditation and, you know, being in nature and managing your stress in those ways as well. And, even, you know, I teach face yoga and, you know, it's taken me a long time to actually come out into the, um, the, the kind of more aesthetic world because I, it tends to attract a quick fix mentality. And for me, I, I absolutely, um, I love getting older. You know, I feel so mm. grateful for every single year I'm on this planet, and I I'm really looking forward to being an old lady and having mm. my wrinkles and whatever it is that shows my life. You know, because your face is the place that absolutely is is um a recording of yeah. where you've been and. But well we, people
0: say people say don't they you know don't don't say that you know we don't like aging and it's a privilege and i it, guess you having come through 13 years you know yeah. and and that journey that you've come through it's an absolute privilege to be able to grow old um,
1: yeah and you know i i i want to do it as naturally and healthily and gracefully as possible and mm when i teach face yoga it's about it's about managing the stress in the face you know it's mm. about getting the face getting the muscles getting the balance um just getting everything working and so that you are able to then not look 20 years younger but to have a face that portrays who you are now mm. you know we 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 can shed things that we you know leave baggage behind Um, but, but sometimes it it becomes ingrained in the face. So it's teaching people how to,
0: Mm.
1: how to just bring it back to balance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause we work on the body obviously. And, you know, we work, we know that we need to really, as we get older, do much more, not much less. And we need to, you know, use weights and we need to do resistance and we need to do cardiovascular But we forget about the face. And obviously it's the muscles in the face that then don't get used. So you know, I I love what you do, and we've talked already. We want to do some lives. We want people to see what you're doing because they can't, you know, they can't get the power of that. But one thing I will say, and as you you know, you've said it's not about the aesthetics, but it's funny you sent me a message to say, oh my goodness, are we going to see each other because I'm you know I'm not looking great today. And I <laughs> want to say to people, if they were to look at you, you know, you said you turned sixty, you know, honestly, I'd say that you looked i don't know mid to late 40s and that's that's me being on what i'm always honest i'm i'm not very good at not being but um you know you look incredible your skin your whole demeanor you give off um a wonderful energy um so you know it's obviously working for you um and, and i'm that's pretty great. Sure it's working for yeah. your clients i have to ask you because carmen is you know going to say you didn't ask the question and i think i know the answer lynn what makes you feel soulful <laughs> Is the mountains. Yeah, yeah I could hear <laughs> yeah. that. It's your theme, isn't it? It's your yeah,
1: winning, it's it your is, healing it theme. I, well, I grew up in Yorkshire as well. And, you know, we did a lot of mountain climbing when I was a kid. And, yeah, just this year I was blessed to spend a month in Verbier in Switzerland. And oh, it was just amazing. I mean, I love the sea and I, I really want to be by the sea. I think I like to be at an edge. But when I'm in the mountains, there's something, when I can see mountains, it's, it's. I don't know, there's freedom, but but there's, even when you're down and you're looking up and like yeah. in Annecy where there's a lake and you're- Yeah, I've been, down, I've been it's, there. There's just something really majestic and powerful and yeah, alive about the mountains. Yeah.
0: yeah. And maybe it's something of, look, I'm just this small little thing. and look at this and actually you've overcome that you've climbed them and that's a sort of metaphor for the way that you've lived your last 13 years so how can people find you obviously they can find you through soul hub um you know what who is who are your clients who might come and find you if they're listening um well I I a lot of people find me
1: because they've got jaw pain or face Mm. pain or They've been told by the dentist that they're suffering from TMJ. Um, mm-hmm. And then the face yoga, people who who want to create more balance with their face.
0: Um, yeah. I love yeah. it. I can feel myself twitching and do, sort of thinking, yeah, what am I doing with my face? I often do it in the car and wonder what the next, the people in the car next to me are doing. But um, it, it's so interesting, Lynn, I could, I could talk to you for... Ages, and I'm really conscious of the time because we're meant to keep these things short. But, um, far from you saying, you know, I don't know what we're going to talk about, I'm not sure, listening okay. to the other Soul Hub stories. Um, I'm sure people are going to be really moved and touched by your story. I, I, you know, welcome people to leave us messages and to ask you questions because you are so open and honest and authentic with all areas of your life and the pain that you've been through. There's definitely a theme with us. Um, and you know what we urge people to do is proactively take control of their health, don't we? That's the one, would you say that's the one message we yeah. want to leave? Yeah, look, look for the lessons
1: in in um in in what 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 happens to you rather than mm. saying, oh why me? Oh it's not fair or or you know even even from a more lighter, lighter place, look, you know, when you look in the mirror and you, you look at all the, you think all the negative things, think, Mm. think of um, all the the positives and, you know, life being able to breathe, being able to walk, being able to smile and love and all those things are the most powerful things.
0: Without that, nothing else counts. Exactly. Come back to basics and, and yeah. the gratitude, I guess, for all that we have. And sometimes you have to go through tough, tough times to start back at the beginning
1: there, don't you? And and you can do anything, you know, what, whatever is there present. I mean, obviously, if you get run over by a bus or or something physical happens mm-hmm. to you, that's maybe not your fault. But everything that happens to our body has somehow happened because of the way we've been living so in order to heal we we have to embody that and and another great book the body the body keeps the school
0: yeah amazing yeah make changes. exactly listen, listen yeah Yeah. so I'm sure people are going to want to find you um and as I say you can find us go to the soul hub website you will find Lynn's profile um please leave us messages if you'd like to get in touch um we always answer we would love to hear from you Lynn thank you so much for bringing your whole self today your whole wonderful self um and it's been such such a privilege for me to learn more about you
1: well thank you it's such a lovely thing to talk to you
0: Thank you.